You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, why the money gurus are wrong and other principles you'll need to understand to reach your money goals. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. I am trying something out new here. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. I'm Jamila Souffrant, and I am your chief launch officer. And if you are not new here, you've been around, you've been listening to episodes, welcome back. I don't know if I'm going to sound any different. I'm actually in my closet (laughs) recording this episode because usually I record it, the podcast wherever, you know, in the kitchen and in my room and very open space. But I'm trying my closet because I'm like, maybe this will be even a better sound. So I can't promise this will always be the way it will be, but let's give it a try. In this week's episode, I wanted to do a solo one. I wanted to talk directly to you. I know I don't do enough of them, but I promise, I promise I'm working on changing that. Things have been so crazy with remote learning and getting work done in life. And you know how it goes, journeyers. But my intention for this episode is to share with you just some principles, some things that I have realized along my journey, and I hope it will help you on your journey to financial independence. I am so excited to announce a new sponsor of the Journey to Launch podcast, Digital Federal Credit Union, also known as DCU. If you couldn't tell already from the name, DCU is a credit union, and this relationship is special because I get to partner with a financial institution that gets it. One that I feel is in alignment for what myself and Journey to Launch is all about. I get to educate you and become even more educated myself on credit unions and why they are such a great option for your financial service needs. Unlike traditional banks, credit unions are not-for-profit financial cooperatives owned by and operated for members. You're not just a customer when you bank at a credit union, you are considered a member. Credit unions are not-for-profit financial cooperatives that serve groups of members who have something in common, such as employment at a company, membership in an association, or residence in a particular geographic area. They are democratically owned and operated institutions rooted in people helping people principles. Each member has an equal vote regardless of how much he or she has on deposit. Compare that to mutual banks, where the amount on deposit determines the number of votes a customer receives. Since credit unions have no outside stockholders, after reserves are set aside, earnings are returned to members in the form of competitive dividends on savings, lower loan rates, or additional services. When banking with a credit union like DCU, you are joining an institution committed to putting people first and making a difference in the communities where their members live and work. DCU has over 850,000 members nationwide. It's a win-win situation, a win for your wallet and a win for your community. So as you can see, this is an exciting partnership for myself and Journey to Launch. You'll be hearing a lot more about credit unions, specifically DCU, over the next few months. I even decided to walk the talk recently and signed up to be a member of my own local credit union, MCU, and I opened up a savings account. It was super simple to join and took about 10 minutes to complete the online application. And I did it all from the comfort of my home. 
If you're interested in learning more, go to dcu.org and keep a lookout for more content educating you about credit unions and DCU on the Journey to Launch podcast. Plus, stick around to the end for a new segment we're adding to the end of the show called the DCU Money Tip of the Week, where I'll be sharing money tips to help you save and manage your money so you can reach your goals. If you want any of the episode show notes too, wherever you listen to this, there should be a more or description that you can click on. And that will take you to the website where you get even more links that may serve you and help you out. Okay, so here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to talk about some truths, some things I've realized. I don't necessarily want to call them principles, but maybe we can call them principles. Like just things that I know for a fact have helped me and that can help you in terms of how you view your money and this journey. Because this journey is pretty crazy. So, okay, principle or truth One And I guess when I say truth, listen, this is my truth. This is what I've discovered. But as you'll hear as I go through these points, you ultimately have to come up with your own truths and what works for you. But here is number one. The gurus are wrong. Yes, the gurus, the financial gurus, everyone that you're following, even myself, we can be wrong. Not all the time. Not all the time. But when it comes to personal finance, you know, there is a very linear way of thinking about money and You know, you should spend less than you earn, prioritize paying off debt, save, invest. You know the rest. You've heard it all before. And you've been taught to think about money in a particular way. And don't get me wrong. Some of those are common sense principles that do work. Like you should spend less than you earn. You should prioritize paying off debt, save, invest, all the things. But let's be real. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. You'd be doing it. So the problem with most advice is that it lacks customization to make it work for you, for for you listening. Like your circumstances is unlike anybody's that you know. Sometimes there are a lot of similarities, but you, you were walking entirely on your own path to financial freedom. So what happens when life occurs, right? So an opportunity arises where it doesn't always make the best financial sense, but it makes the best intuitive sense. So on the surface, some very valuable opportunities don't appear to be financially sound because it doesn't follow the typical guru, money guru's status quo of what you should be doing. But doing that very thing will allow you to break through to the next level of your financial journey. So this is why financial freedom is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Personal finance is personal. And so it's going to be something where you have to decide what works for you. And yes, there's a baseline of things that will set yourself up for success. But again, your journey is uniquely yours and only yours to craft and travel. So I just want to give you some examples of how by me not following traditional financial advice or just following what intuitively made sense for me, put me on a different path, like totally like help me with my financial goals. So if I would have followed the traditional financial advice, I would not have bought my first condo at 22 years old. And I promise I'm going to do a solo episode just about the whole my whole real estate background and buying my first property at 22. But I bought my first property at 22 in Dumbo, stands for down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. So I actually went into contract at 22, meaning it wasn't built yet. I bought into a big building and the studio apartment. So it was pre-construction that I went into contract and it took two years for it to build. But even when I went in to put the money down for this apartment, like there's no way I could have really technically afforded it at that time. I just graduated from college. The good thing was I did have a job offer that I knew I was going to start making money and have a, a full-time job. So I knew that money would come in. But, it, you know, at that time, it was, I think, 
15 years ago. So I started making $55,000 at my corporate job right out of school, which is not not bad. And so I knew I was going to at least be making that much. But when I did the math on how much this condo would cost me on a monthly basis, like I was barely going to be able to cover like through a mortgage. So in order for this to work, there are a lot of things that had to happen in terms of in, in order for me to be able to purchase this condo, because first I had to put down 20 percent. <laughs> I had to put down 10 percent to hold the, the condo. And then at, clo- at closing in two years, so it took two years to build, I had to put down another 20 percent. So luckily for me, I'd saved up money um, working in my internship during the summer. My mother also gifted me, God bless her, money for the first towards this first 10 percent. And then I know I had two years to save for the remaining 10 percent that I had to put down to actually get the condo closed and I I needed closing costs. And so when I did all the math, it was very tight to be able to do this at 22, 23, 24 years old because that's around the age that I was like doing all this, right? Like, and then even more than that, it was how would I upkeep this apartment? Because when I did the math on how much I'd bring home, it was just, I probably cleared the mortgage after paying the mortgage a couple hundred dollars. So the other thing I had to do was really save to cover my living expenses once I moved in. So following the traditional guru's advice, this would have been a very bad idea. <laughs> you know, I will say, even though I need to save this for that, that solo episode on this, that even when I went for the mortgage, I went for the mortgage, it was like right around the time of the, the, the craziness of the real estate market where people were giving out no loan documents. Like you can basically get a loan with no documents. You didn't have to prove your income or anything. <laughs> and that worked for me because... When I went to go get my mortgage for this condo, again, I was barely able to really cover it with my income, but they didn't require any documents. So I was able to just, you know, tell them like my income and all these other things. And they gave me a mortgage. So I was one of the people that benefited from no loan doc mortgages at that time. Again, not a very smart financial decision if you would follow the traditional advice of people talking about money. Basically, I am risking all like the money that I put down already to close on this apartment, because if you can't close on it, you lose your money. And then I'm going into apartment and buying something where basically my income is barely covering the mortgage. Now, of course, it was a calculated risk because I don't know that I knew for sure that Dumbo would be what it is today. So now Dumbo today is like one of the most expensive places to own real estate in like Brooklyn or New York City. And even, you know, by the time when I first went in and like saw it, it pre-construction. So this is like the sales, the sales office where they showed you what the building would look like. Dumbo, like it had no amenities. There was nothing built up. And for those of you from New York or in, who understand the area, you know now that it is just like so, so developed and the place to be. But at the time, no one was there. There were no really buildings there. So I don't know that I could say I knew for sure that Dumbo would be what it is today. But I had, I was like, wow, it's by the water. I mean, I couldn't afford anything else. Quite honestly, I couldn't afford anything else. That's the only reason I went to looking at the sales place for this building because I wanted a brownstone in Fort Greene, you know, even in Bed-Stuy, but it was too expensive. So buying a condo was like, it just seemed a cheaper choice. And so I was willing, I said to myself, you know what, as long as I can close on this and I can save up enough, I can afford this. I don't care what everyone else is thinking or that this may be a mistake, but what is the alternative? You know, I want to buy something for myself. So, yeah, following the traditional advice, I would have never done it. But by the time I closed on this apartment, so it took about two years from when I signed the contract to moving in. 
the property value or the price of the condo appreciated. So it actually, even if I could not have closed on it or something, I I probably would have found a creative way to sell it, right? While I was in contract, because it was worth more than what I bought it, even without moving in. So again, this one decision that I made, this one decision that went against everything that someone maybe would have done has changed the trajectory of my finances, of my wealth, of my children's wealth. So I still own that studio apartment today. And it's funny because sometimes I look back, I'm like, oh, if I would have just pushed a little bit more, maybe I could have got a one bedroom, right? But, you know, I'm happy with my studio. But literally, this is something that I'm looking at where it's just like, wow, there are not too many people like me who own in Dumbo or own in this building. And the fact that I have this property now, you know, it's the smallest, it's the smallest (laughs) apartment in the building, but it's mine. It's mine. And, you know, my kids, it's right by the city. So, you know, I think of it where, you know, maybe my kids can take turns and live in there for a couple of years when they come of age. Maybe if they go to, you know, school in the city, they have this as their first apartment. Like I'm able to pass this down. And, you know, I really don't see myself selling it at all right now. And, you know, I just think about, wow, what if I didn't take that risk? What if I would have followed that advice of make sure you have enough saved up? Don't pay for something more than you can afford it. I would have never been in this position. And now that condo is probably worth double than what I paid for it, right? So again, it was a very, very lucrative investment for myself. The best investment I've ever, ever made. And I promise I'll do a whole episode about this because while that was a great investment, I also did something similar that did not turn out so great. But we'll talk about that in another episode. The other thing I did that does not follow traditional financial advice was I quit my job. So a couple of years ago, around this time, I announced to the world that I quit my full-time job. I did an episode on that. I will link it in the show notes. I can't remember the number right now. It's not in front of me. But when I started Journey to Launch, the whole point of Journey to Launch was to chronicle my journey to financial independence. And then I started the podcast and the podcast was a part of that, right? I didn't know at the time when I started Journey to Launch that I'd want to do Journey to Launch full-time. But as I started to do more of this stuff on the side, I saw that this could literally be what I do to reach financial independence. So instead of going into work every day and then, you know, coming home and I had a long commute and then to add on that, I was pregnant at the time when I when Journey Slaunch was picking up and I already had two kids. I said to myself, I can't do it all. I have this really safe job that if I stayed at this job and I really stick to, you know, budgeting and saving and investing we could reach our investing and financial independence goals probably by the time um, I hit 40 years old. So 40 was my target that I would be able to quit my job and not have to technically work if I didn't want to. Our mortgage would have been paid off based on this plan. So our highest expense would not have been something we had to worry about. And we could literally like live off my husband's income and then our investments because my husband's income doesn't cover everything, but we can supplement it with investments that we made and passive income. And so wanting to now like change like the whole, like all of that and say to myself, well, you know what? I don't want to stay at this job for the next four or five, six years. I want to try something different. I want to jump into entrepreneurship because this is something that I want to experience now. I want to have freedom now, right? I don't want to wait was definitely a risk that most people or some people would say, why are you going to take that? You know, and especially at the time, Journey to Launch wasn't making much or any money, you know. So I think by the time I quit, that was 2018. I'd given birth to Blake. That's my third child, my daughter. 
I given birth to her in May and I announced officially to my job um, right like at the end of my maternity leave that I wasn't coming back. And then that's when I did my episode about it. But at that time, it's not like Journey Solange was replacing my income from my job. I just saw the potential of it and we'd saved. So the, the, the important step here is that when I decided that I was going to quit my job, I did save up money to be able to cover our expenses for the next couple of years to help supplement my husband's income. But again, following traditional advice, you know, it'd be make sure your business is earning this amount of money. It can cover this. You know, you're quitting your job with three kids now, a mortgage. You live in New York City. And like that's that's a big risk. Why are you doing that? But me internally, I knew that there was no other time like there's no other time that this would make sense for me to try this. Like there's no way I would have came this far. God would have brought me this far for me to just continue on like you know, I didn't see the light at the tunnel, right? It's almost like, you know, you see a light at the end of the tunnel, but you're choosing to not see it and ignore it because maybe it's too scary, whatever the thing is. It's like, I just knew I would never forgive myself for not pursuing the light. (laughs) And so these are the things where I couldn't really turn. Like I would maybe see inspiration in what other people were doing, but I couldn't turn to the traditional advice of people and money gurus for this, for the things I've done. But those, I would say big, Big things I've done, you know, bought bought the Dumbo condo and quit my job have been the things that have put me on, I think, an accelerated path. Not I think, I know an accelerated path to freedom, to financial independence. And so this is something that I'm encouraging you to do while there is things that they're going to be baseline things that standard advice (laughs) that you should follow, that your financial freedom journey will be different. And you have to create a flexible framework that allows you to take measured risk and make financial decisions that work for you. And what works for me may not work for you, but the idea here is to create the confidence and be able to take these calculated risks within your life. And so, you know, some of that can involve even when I did. So if you've been following me for a little bit, you know that I team up with Terry, who does trade and travel, the investment course. And that does really well with my journeyers, with you guys, because it's a great way for you to learn how to invest. And I've had some people who they ask me, should I put this on my credit card? I can't pay for Terry's program up front. What should I do? And I always put it back on them. Even my sister, if you know, she was on the podcast talking about she took Terry's course and she put it on her credit card. And I would say this, you know, like this is one of the things if you are in dire need and you have to like you can't pay your grocery or your rent money. No, that's not your first priority is to look into buying a course at this point or investing in this way. But if you know, if you feel it in the bones of your spirit, is that even a right way to say it? If you feel it, that this is something that you need to do. And that's, you know, I would say in both of the instances where I took my risk, and oftentimes when I hear people take risk, they say like, it was almost like they they could not not do it. It was pulling to them. It would be like if they didn't do it, they'd be up at night thinking about it. And so I say that like when it's like when it's too much, like you don't know what to do, then it's possibly something you shouldn't do. But if it's something where you're like, I this is it's calling you, you know, you're going to be committed to the process. Right. Like you're not going to give up then you have to make the decision, right? Of if you're going to put something on your credit card, that if it's going to be worth it to you, that you're going to put in the work. And so again, there may be some people where it's like, no, putting it on your credit card is not a good idea. 
buying a house or a condo where you can barely afford the mortgage is not a good idea. That's definitely obviously going to be truth for a lot of people. But then there are going to be these little pockets of people where those opportunities right there, that's what's going to be something that's going to change your life forever. So you have to create the framework in which you feel confident to make those decisions and understand that if those things fail for you, if they don't work out for whatever reason, that you'll still be okay. That inner confidence then allows you to take these measured risks and to understand um, what you're doing. So that was number one. That was a long number one because I went through some (laughs) examples, but the gurus are not always right. You have to create your own path and take measured risk and figure out what that is. Number two, it's not a knowledge problem. So you most likely know what you should be doing to reach your goals in terms of all the standard advice, right? I kind of listed them in the other point. You know that you should budget, earn more money, break bad habits, instill better habits. The internet is filled with millions of articles and there are a million of podcasts. You probably listen to so many of mine that talk about a lot of this. And so it's not that you don't know what to do. You most likely know what to do. You just don't know why you're not doing it, why you're not following through. So I don't believe a lot of it is a knowledge problem. Some of it when it comes to investing isn't, you know, you don't know, right? You don't know. But a lot of it is not that because you have access to the knowledge. Because even with the investing, right, like Roth IRAs versus traditional IRAs and your 401k accounts, like technically you can go to Google and search anything and find out information. So if you find yourself in the same cycle or not able to execute, what is that about, right? So I think a lot of it is these limiting blocks and beliefs that we have that are holding us back that we don't know. So, you know, a lot of it could be that we overanalyze. So, you know, there is something where it's like information overload where there's too much knowledge and then you're afraid to take the chance. But even that is a limiting belief or something that's limiting you because you need so much information to then make a decision that you just kind of like use as an excuse that you don't know what to do. And I've worked with, you know, whether it's in the membership or when I did one on one coaching or group coaching, there's so many people that I work with where, you know, they know what they should do. They want to create, you know, more income in their lives. They want to create a budget and they have all the tools there to do it. But when you like peel it back, it's like really what's keeping them stuck is like this deep level of, you know, their desire for having money is not with their belief that they'll be a good person, right? They don't really believe. They have a desire for something, but the belief is not there. And I think that trips a lot of people up, right? So you want something so bad, but you don't really believe that it can be you or that that it's in alignment with the way you want to live your life. And so you may think maybe that there's some shame around having more money for whatever reason. Maybe you think more people would want money from you or your family or friends may think you're greedy or selfish or It's like a vicious self-sabotage, this cycle that we put ourselves in of wanting something, wanting to do these things to help us get to our goals, but then not doing it because of these limiting beliefs. So it's not that you don't know what to do. There's a deeper reason on why you're not doing it, which is why like money, while it is a lot of, you know, it's it's, it's numbers and it can be some math that it's not that. Whatever is stopping you from earning more, spending less, or optimize spending, I rather say, and investing and all these things, it's more of a mental shift. It's more of a mental inner game work that needs to be done because you can you can take the courses to like or you know even take like a salary ne- negotiation course or read an article um, or maybe take a budgeting class. You can have all that information 
And you can even do it one time, right? Maybe you're like, okay, now I got the steps that I'm going to say to my boss or my manager. This is what I'm going to say. Or here, oh, I got this budgeting app. This is what I'm going to do. But if internally you don't feel confident or you don't feel that you can follow through on these things, you're not going to continue on. So even if you do it one time, you're not going to continue to do it. Whereas like budgeting and staying on top of your finances is not just a one-time thing. You have to continue to do it. So like the templates and the worksheets are great because I, you know, I have, <laughs> I love a good template and worksheet, but it's not just that. It's not just simply telling you what to do. You have to find what blocks you have that are preventing you from actually like implementing what you're hearing, what you're learning, what you're seeing. So the knowledge is one thing, but don't have that be your excuse because we can all access the knowledge. It's not that. And to be quite honest, like, you know, being good at money is not like you don't have to be good at numbers. It's really your mindset and your habits. So breaking down the inner work or the inner blocks are going to be really important for you to get to your goal. So again, number two was it's not a knowledge problem. Okay. Number three, you have more money than you think. (laughs) I know you're like, really, Jamila, if I had more money, then like, why would I be listening to you right now? But I'm serious. Like you have more money than you think. So this is more about the opportunities that are right within your grasp that you can't possibly see yet. And whatever, maybe you don't see them yet because you're just, you you can't, your focus is elsewhere or they don't look like opportunities just yet. And you can simply just can't see them because one, you may also be just overwhelmed with life. You know, that happens often. And, you know, I experienced that myself, even where it's just like, there's opportunities that I could actually take, but I'm like, I don't have the capacity, right? So I don't even look that way at them because I'm just like, I don't have the time or energy <laughs> to pursue that. But when you can lift or lighten your load and understand that there are things around you, there are there are jewels waiting for you to discover right from where you are um, that can help you. So, you know, and I'm not talking about like, I know right now that, you know, we're in trying times for, and some people are unable to pay them their bills and really it's hard to just get by. And I'm not talking about like that because I do believe this is a true issue for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I, I understand that. But I'm talking about more than that. If you're past or just getting by stage and, you know, you have a sta- stable, quote unquote, stable job and you make decent money, maybe there's a little left over, maybe there's hardly anything left over. There's more opportunities, more things right in front of your nose right now. I just want to give an example. So for myself, you know, when we first, I used to say I first discovered financial independence and the FIRE movement, we were like probably living the typical American life in terms of we, at this point, we already had our home that we um, live in now. We had our cars, I believe, still. Maybe we were in the process of like downgrading them or switching them out. But we, and we were making decent money, right? So I was I was earning six figures working in corporate America. My husband's a teacher, but with his overtime and his coaching and all these things he was doing, he was um, earning six figures. So together we made a good salary. But we were also, while we were never like horrible with money, so I'd say that, you know, we, we always did pay our credit cards. We weren't really racking up debt monthly. We were able to pay our bills. We weren't investing and saving. We were barely doing that. I think I was putting like just enough to get the company match. My husband, he was like probably doing not much at all, I believe, at first. And then I found out about the fire movement. And I'm just like, wait a second. There are people saving and investing and maxing out 401ks. And then I heard 
Ed, the millionaire educator, he was on the podcast and I first heard him on another podcast and he said like him and his wife, because they were both teachers, maxed out their 457 plan. So they had access to a 457 plan and their 403B plan. So they were putting away like over half their like money every month into these investment accounts. When I heard that, I was like, oh, wait a second. We we are hustling backwards here, you know? So I told my husband, we have to find a way to like be able to max out at least minimum our accounts. And we we were able to do that. And it's crazy. Like people ask me all the time, like, how did you go from, because I like, how did you go from maybe saving before we, so our first year that we were intentional about this, we saved and invested $85,300. And then the following year, we saved and invested $84,100. But before that first year, we probably saved and invested, I would say a fraction of that, a fraction of that. Because a lot of the money that we saved and invested did go into our retirement accounts. But before that, we were hardly investing in it. And even then, like those years, we didn't, I didn't feel like we were rolling in the dough. So where did that extra money come from? And it really came from just like shifting our priorities. Like, you know, we did in the middle of that, we we changed cars. So my husband had a very expensive lease um, for a car and he was spending a lot of money a month on that. I also had a luxury vehicle that had at that, that time, the maintenance was like worn off on it. So it would uh, was started to cost money to maintain it. We got rid of that. That helped with our monthly bills. But then the most important thing we did was get a budget. <laughs> we got a budget and prioritized things. So instead of, you know, saving what was left after we spent money, we made saving and investing a priority. And so money started, I said, we st- we made a plan and we said to ourselves, okay, we, we want to max out our retirement accounts. That's number one. Whatever comes home after that, that's what we have to work with. So there's no longer this big pot that we, you know, take, take, take from, spend and, you know, pay bills and go out to eat. And then, you know, that little bit at the end of the pot, that's what we save. It was like, nope, we're going to save and invest aggressively. So let's put as much as we can before we even get our check. So that's that pre-tax stuff that directly comes from your check. Then, you know, we got to pay our expenses that are important to us that we need to live. So the mortgage, the groceries, all these things. But even those like things, right? The rent, the mortgage at the time, that's fixed. But the groceries and the household goods and the things that we need to, to do to survive, let's put limits on that. Let's not just like spend and then look at it later or not look at it at all and wonder what happened. And that's what we did. So finding more money where you are or having more money than you think is a shift on goals and priorities. Our goal now was to save and invest. That's it. My like I was so intense about reaching financial independence at the start of this in a short amount of time that like that was it. And so right now, if you are in the position again, I'm not talking about um, if you are struggling. I mean, even if you are struggling, you know, I want to challenge you that, you know, you can do better. You can you are on this journey with me. Like, I'm not leaving you behind, but I just want to be empathetic to, to, to you if you are feeling that you don't have any room. But I'm going to challenge that many of you, you listening, you have room right now to do something different or to think differently or to switch something around. And, you know, quite honestly, it can be something as small as like having more money, more money than you think could be as small as you switching. Like you have savings account, right? And maybe you have a traditional savings account. You have like $10,000 in it which is great. And I know saving rates right now are not that great, but at a bank, you're probably getting a traditional bank. You're probably getting 0.01% on your $10,000 in your savings account, switching it to a high yield online account at a, or an online bank. You know, again, rates are not crazy high and I can't even tell you what rates are now, 
but you can maybe instead of earning 0.01% on that 10,000 earn 1.5% or 2%, which you know, I know for, for some people it's just like, oh, what's an extra 20, 30 dollars, you know, and I don't even know if that's the math on that. <laughs> but it's money. It is money. And there's some things where you have to do like, okay, does it, you know, does the time it take to like research and to make the transfer and do that, is it worth it? And there are some times where it's not, and there's some times where it is. But sometimes seeing more opportunities and switching your goals around to put really what matters to you first, and then just like taking action will allow you to see and un- un- unravel money that you didn't know that you had. And some of it is just like by switching accounts. Some of it is by like making something automatic and you'd be surprised at how much money, more money you have accessible to you that you don't know. It's right under your nose. So in order for you to get to where you currently are, to where you want to be, you'll have to just look at things differently. You have to be willing to see the opportunities and the obstacles and leverage. Leverage where you are right now to get to where you really want to be. Okay, point four or principle four, buy more shares of you. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm so passionate about this. You know, when we talk about investing and reaching financial goals, most of, you know, the people that you may listen to, they will talk about investing in the stock market or real estate or something else, which I totally get, right? Like I just said that real estate was one of my best investments. But honestly, like I am my best investment. You know, I think back um, that my mom, like, thank God, like she and I know she listens to this. Hi, mom. (laughs) She like viewed me as an investment. She poured so much into me. And I say this for like moms, especially if you feel like so my mom was a single mom. She didn't really have much resources while I while she was raising me. And so she viewed me as an investment and she poured into me a lot of love. So it wasn't even as like pouring in money into me. You know, I didn't have all the latest things and all these things like that were more superficial, but she had, she poured so much like knowledge and attention in me that I feel like that has created like the Jamila you see today. And so for the moms listening, it's a little tangent now, especially single moms, because my mom was a single mom, is that if you feel like you're not obviously in the position to do a lot with money for your kids, that you can put your kids in the position to accomplish what you want to. And not only that, because I would say this about my mom, Even though like she poured so much into me and she had to delay or she didn't have much herself. She right now, because she, you know, she poured into me. I did well. So I'm not like a leech. I don't need to, you know, to go to her for anything. She also in the same time was bettering herself and she's put herself in such a better position now. So, you know, and she's fairly young still. She's in her mid fifties and she's doing really well for herself. And so I just, I just, I just say that when it comes to investing, in yourself, don't always look at it as investing in like the stock market or real estate. You know, moms that come to me and say, hey, I want to start, you know, investing for my kids college fund or doing all this stuff so that their kids have wealth, which is great. Right. But if you are not in a position to do that or you're barely investing in your own retirement, then pour into more more into your child in other ways with the love, with the attention. And so that really goes into the buying more shares of you, meaning like now for yourself, how can you do that for you? How can you show yourself or or have a bigger return on any investment you make? Because, you know, like if you look at like the annual return of the stock market from its inception. So let's just say you're investing in stocks and you're investing over time, right? Like the investment could be like 10%. I think that's like the annual rate. I could be wrong, like over like the inception of the stock market. But when you like invest in yourself, there's no way to measure the return. When I think about the programs I've invested in, 
in terms of uh, business development for Journey to Launch and myself as an entrepreneur. Even before that, you know, just like personal development stuff, you know, investing in time away um, in terms of like self-care and all these things, my knowledge and skill set, all those things. Like I can't even directly sometimes measure the return because those things have allowed me to have the confidence, the chutzpah, is that how you say it? The education to take some of the risk that I've taken, to, to take some of the action. And those actions directly do result into more money, into more opportunities. And so you have to learn how to separate, yes, investing in the stock market and your retirement account and real estate, but really set aside, set aside some money and set aside some time to invest in you because the amount you can make on yourself is like limitless. It, the possibilities are endless. The unique thing about it is like, you know, if there's a stock market crash, the stock market's been like going crazy, obviously for the last few months, <laughs> the real estate has a potential to go crazy. There's a crash. It can wipe out your entire portfolio or your equity, right? For a period of time, not forever, but it can knock it out. And then now what, right? But if you have inner wealth, if you are investing in yourself, so that knowledge, the skill set, the creativity that can never be taken from you. You know, you hear sometimes like if a millionaire, like someone who becomes a millionaire or has a lot of money, you can take that all away from them and they will most likely become millionaires again because of who they became, like the, 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 the information that it took the journey it took for them to be that is like something you can never take away from them. So you can take away all their physical possessions, but you can't take away who they are. And I always say this, Jay-Z's line, famous line, I call it a famous line because I always remember it. Put me anywhere on God's green earth and I'll triple my worth. And I just saw that as you could put me anywhere. You can plot me anywhere in the world and I'll be able to be okay. And that to me is when you buy more shares of you, you're able to do that. So The other thing I want to bring up, especially when it comes to money and, you know, like financial kind of advice and a lot of things, it's like you try to cut expenses. Now, I get it, right? You probably, you hear it all the time, cut expenses, cut expenses, take everything out, everything's DIY. With some things, you know, are DIY, you want it to be DIY, do it yourself. And this can work for a lot of people, but I got to say it doesn't work for most people that at least I've come in contact with. So when I say like DIY, I mean like Googling like articles, which you have all access to listening to free podcasts. Amazing. I've gotten some amazing like people like people saying how much they've been able to do just by listening to the podcast. And I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And then I feel like there's a segment of people who are listening. Maybe it's you, maybe not. I'm not trying to call you out. But it's like you have all this and it's like, now what? Now you got to implement, but something's still holding you back, right? And so a lot of times, It may be because you're afraid to invest in that thing, right? Or afraid to get the support you need or the free resources more, you know, it calls you more. But I got to say, I've always saw that, like, I've taken things more seriously, you know, when I paid for it. And the more I paid for things, (laughs) the more I take it seriously. So, like, if I paid $10 for something, you know, if I miss it or I don't follow through on it, it's like, ah, it was $10. If I pay $1,000 for something, oh, you best believe I'm going to show up. Not only that, but when I put down that money, when I made that purchase or I bought that course, I already said to myself, I'm committed because if I wasn't committed, I wouldn't have paid the money. And so it's that transformation in investing in yourself, in buying more shares of you, 
Like, it does matter to me, like, the spectrum of it. So I'm not going out and saying, like, just go find, like, a $10,000 course. Not saying that. What I'm saying is really take time to get resources. Free, of course, right? Free is great. But also paid ones that can help you, right? Paid ones that actually can get you closer to your goals. So whether that's learning how to invest, whether it is budgeting, whether it is maybe something you need for your job, something. What is it that you can, if you're paying for it, you're going to be committed and you're going to actually implement. And to me, when you pay for things, when you buy it, you're buying you're buying into it because you believe you're going to do it. And because if you don't do it, that's really money on you that you're not you're not really utilizing. So I want you to think about really how you invest. And the realization here is that you really have to get that idea of that investing is not just outside things. It's really you. Okay, I think we are now up to point five. This is my last point. My number five is that you have to get the right support and you have to get customized help and a community to support you. So right support looks like different things. Let's talk about like the different levels of support. You can have community support, which I think is extremely like important. And it's funny because like your community could be people like where it's like direct contact where they know you and you know them. And it could be direct family members or friends. And it can be online. I always bring up like the Internet is a crazy world, but at least it's good for if you want to meet and see other people doing things that encourage you. So even if it's just like following a hashtag on Instagram, you know, like they have hashtags like debt free community or, you know, following accounts, journey to launch. If you follow my account and there's so many personal finance accounts or getting out of debt, people who don't even like they're not even like they don't even have a, like like a business about it. They're just sharing what they're doing. They're sharing how much they're spending on groceries. They're sharing how they're negotiating more money. It's just like they're sharing their wealth journey. You can find all that online. And so some of that, again, it's like you don't even know people in person, but you know them virtually and just you're maybe in a Facebook group or you maybe pay, right? You pay to be in certain communities. Like I have the Money Launch Club. That's a paid community where you come in and like you're really surrounded by people serious about reaching financial independence and you get the support and tools you need, right? So there's so many ways in which you can find the support, but you have to get the right support. And because community is so important, and this is, I've seen this in my like life too, where if I'm around like either, even other entrepreneurs, when I surround myself with other entrepreneurs, like who are doing what I want to do, meaning like we're at the same level, but maybe they're like, steps ahead or maybe like miles ahead. I'm so much more motivated because the norm now is to like succeed. (laughs) There is no kind of like, ah, like, I don't know about this entrepreneurship thing and making money. Is it possible? It's like, I'm seeing people around me, like earning six figures, seven figures, breaking barriers, writing books. I'm just like, okay, that's the norm. That's something I can do too. Let's do it. I'm so motivated. And so it works in any area of your life is finding the community and support you need. And again, taking it back to the other points, like not being afraid to invest in it if you need it. Not also, even though you're in a community and you have support, while what they're doing is working and should take into consideration if you know someone has more knowledge than you, it's like ultimately it's all going to fall onto into your lap, into your hands, your future. You're the only one in charge of it. So understanding what works for you and taking knowing when to take advice and knowing when not to is critical. That's the only way um, really it can work. 
So those are my five um, like principles and tips. I'm just going to recap and like go down the line on them one more time. Number one is the gurus can be wrong. <laughs> you have to find your own way, figure out really what's going to work for, for you because it's different. No one has the same life circumstances or opportunities that you have. Number two is not a knowledge problem. So you most likely know what you should be doing. It's not that you don't know. It's why you're not doing it. And that's that mental mental work that we have to do, that internal work that is the hardest. It's the hardest thing that we all do. Number three is you have more money than you think. So right now there are more opportunities right under your nose. You just maybe can't see them yet. And you just have to make some changes, shift some goals around, but it's there. It's there for you. Um, It's just about changing your perspective. Number four, buy more shares of you. You are your biggest investment. Do not be afraid to invest. I've never seen anyone be successful without them taking a risk. And taking a risk means investing. So yes, there's an opportunity for loss or not following through for whatever reason, but you won't get from where you are right now to where you want to be without taking the step. And taking that step involves risk. And so doing that means buying more shares of you, not always investing in outside things. Number five is get the right support. So whether that's community support, whether that is um, investing in a coach, don't be afraid to get the right support, to learn from people who are also on the journey with you. Community is important. Resources are important. So I hope that helps you. I know that these things, when I think about them, have, when I think back on how I've gotten to where I am today, those have been big parts of it. Understanding those principles have been very important. I also want to just remind you Depending on when you're listening to this, Journeyers, my FI course, my 10 Steps to FI course is now open for enrollment, but doors are closing pretty soon, depending on where you hear this episode. So check us out. They're open from October 23rd to October 29th. You can join us right now at journeytolaunch.com slash FI course. And if you want the episode show notes, I know I like reference a couple episodes in here that you may want to listen to. I will link that in the show notes. Just go to like more wherever you listen to this and it should take you there. And make sure you're following me on social media. I'm at Journey to Launch. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know if you thought of a principle that stood out for you or something that I said. I always love to see that. Tag me at Journey to Launch so I can see it and repost it and respond. And yeah, that's all I got for you this week, Journeyers. Okay, as promised, I am introducing a new segment sponsored by DCU. And it's going to be called DCU Tip of the Week. Sometimes I include one or two or three tips. It depends. The goal of this is to be short and sweet and just give you some quick wins for your money. So let's start it off. The tip for this week is seek out free or low cost entertainment. So although fall events such as the Harvest Festivals and Haunted Houses may not be happening as they used to, Before the coronavirus, there's still time to celebrate in the season while maintaining social distance. Local farms may offer pick-your-own-apples and pumpkins with safety protocols in place. A walk or hike to see nature's changing colors can also be free. I, for one, have discovered a marvelous trail and park not too far from me, so I enjoy now taking the kids on a walk or running myself there. If you follow me at Jamila Souffrant, You'll see my adventures when I go running and walking on the trails. Okay, that's DCU Tips of the Week. For more tips on how to improve your money, go to dcu.org.
If you want to check out the episode show notes, that's where you can get links to anything that's mentioned and even get a transcribed version of this episode that you can read. Go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. Now, you can also still grab your free Journeyer Jumpstart Guide by texting LAUNCH to 33777 or go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. Don't forget, now's your chance to join us at the Journey to FI 10-step course. We are enrolling right now, but doors close pretty soon. So join us at journeytolaunch.com slash FI course. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me and the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.